charged a Pakistani man with attempted terrorist murder in connection with last week's machete attack near the scene of the deadly 2015 attack on the satirical newspaper Charlie Hebdo. More ups and downs for the U.S. economy. The Commerce Department has just announced that the economy plunged more than 31% this past spring due to the pandemic. Only a slight change from the first quarter. The report also says the economy is expected to expand by nearly the same amount and the quarter just finished. Right now, S&P futures are down four points. We bid farewell to two 70s hit makers, both of them age 78. Helen Reddy's first number one song was also an anthem. She once said she couldn't top seeing her lyrics in a high school history book. Reddy died five years after being diagnosed with dementia. Mac Davis wrote dozens of songs for others like Elvis Presley. His own hits included a number one record, Baby Don't Get Hooked on Me. He died after heart surgery in Nashville. This is CBS News. Today, stronger immunity and better nutrition are more important than ever. That's why Eggland's Best gives you and your family more. That's healthy news for everyone. Only Eggland's Best. I'm Dr. Stork. Today, stronger immunity and better nutrition are more important than ever. That's why Eggland's Best gives you and your family more. Compared to ordinary eggs, Eggland's Best provides six times more vitamin D and ten times more vitamin E, all helping you maintain a strong immune system and better overall health. Plus, you get all that farm-fresh, delicious taste. These are no ordinary times, so why choose an ordinary egg? Only Eggland's Best. Better taste, better nutrition, better eggs. With so many new pet owners, Kezia's grooming can't keep up. Kezia's grooming? Sorry, we'll book solid through the weekend. I can give you a call back though if something opens up. It's time to hire. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. The moment you sponsor a job on Indeed, you get a short list of quality candidates from our resume database. Indeed delivers two and a half times more hires than the other branded job sites combined, according to Breezy HR 2019. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get a $75 credit for your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. There's been a ruling on absentee ballots in a battleground state. Here's CBS's Jim Crusula. A federal appeals court has upheld a six-day extension for counting absentee ballots in the key battleground state of Wisconsin. A lower court judge ruled that ballots that arrive up to six days after Election Day will count if postmarked by Election Day. That could mean the winner in Wisconsin won't be known for days after the polls close. The father and son who left Castro's Cuba and became doctors in Florida have died of the coronavirus. Dr. Jorge Valle his wife and two young sons arrived in Florida in the mid-60s. He became a prominent OBGYN and a patriarch of a family of Cuban-American doctors. His son had been treating COVID-19 patients. The first batch of performers for the 2020 Billboard Music Awards includes Alicia Keys, Bad Bunny, Luke Combs, and Post Malone. The awards are on next month from Los Angeles. Peter King, CBS News. Do you check your Google search results regularly? You should. People often get their first impression of you or your business online. Negative comments on the Internet can impact your life and your livelihood. Take control of your online reputation. Get your free reputation report card at reputationdefender.com. It may reveal negative posts from an ex-employee, upset patient or client, news article, legal issue, or even exposed personal information right there in your Google search results. Uncover what's lurking on the Internet about you with reputationdefender.com's patented scan and get your free reputation report card. Or for immediate assistance with your reputation, call 800-401-6681. Our cutting-edge technology helps make your Google search results look their best. Call 800-401-6681. That's 800-401-6681. 800-401-6681. Or take the free scan at reputationdefender.com. Stop by the Athens County Fairgrounds on October 3rd from 9 a.m. until 1 p.m. for the Athens County Fall Recycling Day. Recycling anything from car and truck tires to dishwashers and fluorescent tubes, e-waste, scrap metal, household batteries, and books. You can recycle for free while it's only $5 for a mattress and $0.35 cents for a compact bulb. Air conditioners and refrigerators not accepted? Call the Athens Hockey Solid Waste District for more information at 740-573-6885. 
Good work takes hard work. Acre after acre, year after year, since 1916, durable Gravely tractors, mowers, and equipment are still working hard. Since 1948, Gravely has been working hard at Wakefield Garage, located one mile east of Albany. See the line of zero turns, stand on, walk behind mowers, and get your next hard-working, extremely durable Gravely at Wakefield Garage. Wakefield's also has complete service on riding and push mowers and blade sharpening. Wakefield Garage, 3747 M.O. Road, 740-593-3815. Gravely Equipment, the John W. Climb Recovery House Virtual Breakfast Fundraiser will be October 3rd and will start at 9 a.m. This includes music from Norma Kalkinen and Jose Rocha on cello. Check out the event link posted on the Clem House Facebook page or find it on their website, www.clemhouse.org. Registration for the event is also listed on the webpage. Anyone who donates $100 will also receive a Wake Up for Recovery mug. It's the John W. Clem Recovery House Virtual Breakfast Fundraiser, October 3rd at 9 a.m. Wednesday. Corn dogs and regular hot dogs, 99 cents each. Open 10.30 a.m. until 10 o'clock p.m. Head on over to Larry's Doghouse over on West Union Street in Athens. The Athens Messenger provides interesting local news, keeps you entertained and informed, but it empowers you by providing information to make the best possible decisions about life, community, and government issues. It supports democracy by providing facts to make informed decisions and keeps transparency in our community. It keeps the First Amendment alive. The Athens Messenger, your local trusted news source. Not a subscriber? Visit our website at AthensMessenger.com or call 740-592-6612, extension 1, to subscribe. In our 70th year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. Well, it's a glorious morning outside. Look at that sunshine. temperature on my screen in front of me and in my car agree it's 49 degrees we've got a special edition of the uh, party line today the recycling efforts here in Athens and for that matter Hocking County too that's what we're going to learn about the director of that operation Bruce Underwood is joining us via telephone We'll try to understand this yet again. In the meantime, I just, uh, it's hard for me to come back after last night and not say something. The first thing I said, and I said it very early on to my wife as we were watching the, uh, the debate if you want to call it that, was if I were running this, I would have control of the microphones. That theme resurfaced on the media after the completion of the debates on all channels, all networks, everything. Wow. We'll see how it uh, goes uh, two debates from now. I guess the next one is that of the vice presidents, uh, or would-be vice presidents. So anyway, all right, let's see here. To, so today, let's do what we're going to do. Now, then, help me out. Where am I going? Here? Yep. Yep, okay, and I bring that up, and I say, good morning, Bruce. Good morning. There, we're, we're connected. Thank you. Bruce Underwood is the uh, the director, right? That's correct. Of the Athens Hocking Recycling Centers. Now, Bruce, let's start out with a little bit of your background. Where, do, where were you raised? Um, I was born and raised in uh, Hocking County, um, just outside of Logan. Okay. Um, so I've, I, I grew up there. My family's from there. Um, so I went to school in a couple different places, but I went to Ohio State up in the Wooster Branch um, for horticulture nice. and, and worked in that field for many years. But I also went to... Um, Ohio University for my uh, for a different undergraduate, and then uh, continued on to Ohio University for a graduate degree degree in uh, uh, Master of Environmental Studies. So the the uh, okay transmitter. I think our transmitter's off. Hmm. Hang on there. Gotcha. <coughs> 
There, there it came back. Folks, I'm so sorry. I That seems to be an intermittent power failure that occurred out at uh, on Armitage Road, where our transmitter is located. Bruce, are you still with us? I am. Okay, uh, forgive us on that. Oh, that, no problem. That's a very rare thing. Um, so I was going to ask, the Worcester Experimental Station, that's the Ohio State facility, right? Um, the Ohio State has a, a branch up there called ATI, the Agricultural Technical Institute. Oh, they've um, changed it's, their it's, name. It's right, by the, it's right beside the research facility okay. that Ohio State has. I see. Well, Worcester's like Mecca in my family. My uh, grandfather was president of the College of Worcester and so on and so forth. So, um, anyway, um, so that's kind of cool. Now, what about, um, uh, what, when did the concept of recycling really start to hit home in your heart? Um, I, I guess as a teenager, you know, I've always been, a, you know, an avid outdoorsman, um, you know, growing up in a rural area out in the country, playing around the woods as I was growing up. Um, so I, I think it, a lot of it stems from, from, my, from my background growing up and, you know, caring about, about nature. You know, I was always out in the woods, um, whether it be, you know, collecting morels in the spring or hunting in the fall. You know, all those sorts of things kind of um, pointed me in that direction to, 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 to think and look about environmental issues. And, and I, you know, I started recycling at an early age when it was available. And then as time continued on, you know, I continued to do that and joined conversations uh, that the community has had about how to expand recycling and um, create more landfill diversion. Um, you know, as climate, cha- climate change got more and more prominent um, in, in our discussions and the science, it got more solidified, mm. you know, I got more involved in it, um, and, and that, a lot of that pointed me towards, you know, continuing my education at Ohio University. Well, and let me just slip back a notch. Sometime when you're going to go hunting mushrooms, morals, whatever you want to refer to them as, would you take me along? <laughs> I sure would. <laughs> I, ha- I have always wanted to do that, but I don't have the confidence in what I'm looking at. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's that's really what it takes. Going someone who's who's done it before and knows what to look for. Yeah, so th- keep that in mind. All right, now, <clears throat> so that's the, the, the Athens Hawking Recycling Center. Did it start as that, or did it start as one or the other? Um, it, it's it, it's sort of a long, varied history with sort of different names associated with it. Um, the the recycling efforts within Athens got started, you know, in in the early nineteen eighties. Uh, but the nonprofit wasn't formed until um, the late 80s. I think 87 was the incorporation date. Um, so that nonprofit has existed since then, um, but has been affiliated and worked under the umbrella of other uh, governmental agencies like the city of Athens, mm-hmm. um, the uh, Athens County, the Athens Hawking Solid Waste District. Um, so since since 2013, we've separated the nonprofit has been separated from all those other entities as and has been an independent organization as the nonprofit itself. But but essentially, we've always done the same thing: is, is collect and process recyclable materials, as well as providing other services that we've added over the years. So essentially, nearly 40 years. Yes. Now, um, you know the initial materials that that were encouraged to be recycled. Um, when it first opened, what was it asking people to collect? Um, that was certainly before my time early on, but, you know, you know, one of the things that's long been recycled is cardboard and, and aluminum and steel. So that, those are a lot of the primary focus, in the, focus on the early days in recycling within Ohio and elsewhere. Uh, it, it has since expanded as our, our materials, things that we come in contact as consumers has changed over the years, over the decades, and, and more materials have been... You know, we have to deal with them in some way, so more materials have been added to that list. But cardboard, cans, um, you know, that was the original intent, uh, and, and paper as well. Mm-hmm. Now, um, some some recycling centers have the option, or the availability, I should say, uh, to recycle a huge array of materials. Um, but Athens, the Athens Hawking Facility, uh, just make a basic list of of what you can recycle at this present time. Yeah, and I'm gonna. This list will refer to what can go into the mixed recycling or the single stream recycling, and that's uh, aluminum cans, steel cans, glass bottles of any color, 
paper, office paper, mixed paper, newspapers, uh, magazines, um, plastics of many types, and that's a whole big discussion in itself with the plastics. But, of course. Um, there's, you know, a whole lot of things we come in contact with, but those are the basic categories. Um, cardboard, aluminum, steel cans, glass bottles, and paper products. Now, um, I don't know, a couple years ago, a big blue rollout container showed up and uh, at each person's home, I guess. And that was a really nice thing. I liked that. Um, if I have any doubt about whether something is truly recyclable or not, I do put it in the blue box, the blue bin. Um, <clears throat> is that a bad thing? Um, I would say it would be. I think my mantra is, if in doubt, throw it out and ask the questions before you proceed. Okay, so I'm going the opposite direction. If in doubt, I put it in. So, but you would suggest, if in doubt, not do it. Okay. Correct. Okay, so I'll try to alter my, uh, uh, my way here. Um, do's and don'ts. Um, that, that's, that's, I, what materials do you definitely not want at this well, time? Um, that, that, uh, the answer to that has changed over time, but where we're at now with our current system that we, you know, our new facility that came, uh, came online in early 2016, you know, the mixed recycling or single stream, mm -hmm. some people call it co-mingled recycling, um, you know, often people put things in there they think are recyclable um, and are, but are um, detrimental to our processing facility. So things like um, scrap metal, like we don't want car rims in there or big pieces of angle iron. It's just our facility is not designed because it's an automated process with a lot of machines and a lot of uh, manual labor. It's not designed to handle those kinds of materials. It's designed to handle cans and bottles and cardboard and newspapers and those sorts of things. So, you know, there, there are a lot of things that are recyclable, but not particularly in that single stream collection system. So that's, that's the one big thing that I see people make is, well, it's recyclable, I'll throw it in there. So things like scrap metal, textiles, electronic waste, so computer parts and keyboards and monitors and things like that. We, we see quite a bit of that in there. Those things are recyclable, but we have a different collection method, a different processing method for them. So if those kind of products um, or, or items show up, I take it you put it off to the side and then move them on to somebody else who does work with them, right? That's correct. We try to recover. You know, we, Obviously, we don't want some of those products in there, but we try to recover as much as possible. Um, you know, The crews take out scrap metal and, and electronics and things like that and set them aside. And we do collect them and aggregate them together and ship them off to be recycled, but it's not really the place to put it in your blue bin uh, for a lot of those items. The, um, to, to do what you do, how large a facility is required? Physic, you know, I guess square foot or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, um, we're, our, our current facility is about 14,000 square feet under roof. Okay. Um, it's, it's actually kind of tight. We don't have much room left over, so a bigger building would be helpful. Um, but it really depends on the volumes that are coming in. Now, post and where the post and um, uh, electronic, no, 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 post and power plant was, that's the vicinity of where you're located, right? Correct. And that's uh, what's called the Bill Tyson Industrial Park. Okay. Now, um, was the building there all along used for some other purpose, or did you have to build a facility that suited you? Um, we we bought the building. It was existing. I think it was built sometime in the mid or early 2000s. Okay. Um, but there was another business in here. We um, purchased the building and then retrofitted it and expanded it quite a bit um, to fit our purpose. Now, um, <clears throat> staffing. Uh, you've got staffing that are involved in collecting the stuff daily, and there are different routes. Like in my neighborhood, it's every Thursday, um, uh, unless there's been a holiday or something. Um, so you got staffing that are out collecting and transporting this, and then you have staff within the plant, um, and a lot of them are actually reaching in and grabbing things as they go down a beltway, right? That's correct. Yeah, it's, it's a, 
a very complex system of, of sort of bells and whistles, if you will, but a lot of conveyor belts and different things like that. You know, we utilize some machinery and things like, you know, uh, belt magnets to help us automate the system a little bit. But there is still quite a bit of manual labor involved to sort those materials by hand um, to pull out contaminants and, and make sure everything's as, as good as we can possibly get it. So, so put some numbers. How many people are involved in the collecting and how many in the sorting? Yeah, we have, um, uh, overall, we have about 40 employees total, including myself. Okay. Um, roughly about 16 of those, or 16 to 17, depending on the day, you know, the routes vary, um, are out on the trucks doing the collection of those materials. And then the remainder of those, and it's about, the remainder of those is back at our facility, um, and then we have about 16 uh, people um, actually on the sorting line doing the, the physical, the sorting and running skid steers and forklifts and things like that. And the remainder of that 40 are, you know, in the office uh, doing various jobs. Now, I know you've given me a tour, uh, albeit some years ago, and you've made many changes since. Um, if, if, um, if the Rotary Club, if the uh, whatever, of course we're dealing with COVID, but under normal circumstances, would you have the ability for groups to tour the plant? Absolutely. You know, I've, you know, I've worked out and reached out to many civic organizations, school groups and things like that. Um, I personally will come to, to different groups um, and, and speak and answer questions, but also facilitate tours of the facility here. Um, you know, up to 30 or 40 people we've had here at a time, you know, with school groups and things like that to, to take a look at what's going on here and what happens to the recycling. Now, you know, on campus, there's a, a very... Um, robust recycling program too and in fact I have noticed that sometimes um, at OU they will recycle styrofoam where you prefer not to um, just because they probably get a lot more of it than you do um, when recycle when styrofoam does show up at your plant does it eventually end up up with OU or or, or do you just pitch it into trash um, at that point, because, you know, if we collect, the, the, if someone puts it in the single stream recycling, by the time it gets to us, it's broken up in, you know, hundreds of pieces, and it's uh, soiled, and it's dirty, it's not usable, we can't recycle it anymore. I see. So, it, unfortunately, it does end up going to the landfill. You know, there are some sources that, that the university uses, and we've worked with them in the past on this, for, in particular, styrofoam, and only particular types of styrofoam. But there's a facility in Lancaster that recycles it. Um, but it's got to be sort of that pristine white, um, right. packing styrofoam like you know you buy a microwave and it's wrapped in styrofoam yep. that's the kind of stuff they recycle and I know the university does a lot of collection of that now so it brings me to ask um, what, what, so people mean well in myself you know you've already pointed out I'm doing you know if I have any doubt I put it in recycling but you should say it's the other way around now uh, so of the stuff that you folks collect daily, um, what percentage of it would you say you folks actually have to discard as trash? Yeah, that's a good, that's a great question. And we, we, we track that, <clears throat> excuse me, we track that pretty closely. Um, in fact, on a monthly basis, you know, we're measuring our incoming tons and then we're measuring what's going out to be recycled and then what's left over, what we can't recover, uh, goes to the landfill. And that, and that varies, but it's been hovering around around um, 11 or 10 percent. Um, you know, it varies each month just depending on the flow of materials. So, um, out of all those thousands of tons of recycling that comes in, uh, about 10 or 11 percent end up going directly to the landfill because it's either a not recyclable or b has been contaminated to the point where we can't recycle it anymore. I see. Well, I, I didn't know what figure I might hear you answer with, but 10 to 11—that sounds fairly reasonable um, but uh, maybe not when you compare it to other similar facilities doing what you do um, the, the you know there's been a new component called composting um, every household um, I think received a green five gallon bucket with a cap and um, so what do you consider something that should be composted well, that program is really designed and centered around food waste. You know, one of the, you know, up to 20% of what goes into the landfill on average is, is food waste. Um, from what, what's left over from our dinner plate, from what's left over from, 
you know, our, our, our prep of, of making that dinner, you know, the ends of the, the broccoli and, you know, the onion peels and all sorts of things, eggshells. So all that, we're really focused on that food waste for that program. Um, you know, lots of things are organic, like yard waste, leaves and, and branches and things like that. And the city of Athens has their own yard waste collection program. So with this program, with the five-gallon bucket, we're really focused on the food waste part of it. So um, if food is spoiled, say you bought something and you didn't make it by the use date, in, uh, so you're going to pitch it, right? Um, should that go in composting? Absolutely. That's the perfect thing. Um, you know, instead of just throwing that into the trash, um, if you put that in the compost bucket, you know, we can, we can recycle that. Okay. And, and so composting, uh, the, what, what do you do? What does it become? So That's a great question. When, when, you think, when you think about composting, it's just another form of recycling. We think, tend to think of recycling as the cans and bottles, but, you know, nature recycles everything. And, and with the composting process, nature does a lot of the work. You know, we collect the food waste, uh, not only from residences, but from businesses as well, restaurants and places like that right. that generate a lot of food uh, and food waste. And so once we collect all that material and we bring it back to our facility, we mix it with, with bulking agent, and that can be um, leaves or wood chips or sawdust and a whole host of other sort of brown organic material. And so as we mix that together, really the microbes in the, naturally in the, in the wood chips and in the food do the work for us. Um, so they start that composting process and break down that organic waste. Um, so the ultimate, is the ultimate product like mulch? Um, it's it, it, it certainly, some people describe it as mulch, but it's really a soil amendment. It's our finished product, you know, we screen it down to its uh, consistent size, and we have it tested, and we know all the analysis of, of, the, of the composition of the material, and that's really to be added back to your soil. I see. You're adding, you're just adding those nutrients back into the soil, whether it's your your backyard garden or um, you know a larger farm operation that could be added to fields. That's the the whole goal of it, that is to get it back into the soil to grow more food. Uh, does that also mean then that um, as someone who likes to take pride in my yard, um, I should be coming out and getting batches of it periodically and spreading it about? Um, I don't know if it's that's, if that's necessarily the right application for it for your for your yard. Well, what I'm turf. getting at is you're selling it, right? Oh, absolutely. And obviously, it must be at some attractive price. So, well, anyway, um, so folks, that's an option, right? Yeah. So we we sell it in bulk. People can come pick it up in their pickup truck, or if they just want to small amount of it they you know they can get a couple five gallon buckets full of it or um you know however much we have on hand you know we have some big farms that will buy you know dump truck loads of it at a time so mm. it's uh it's certainly it's typically available most of the year sometimes we run out but um it is available to the public to, to come purchase now um um what do you call it um the stuff you put around your flower beds, um, chipped wood chips, you know what I mean? Mulch. 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 There we go. Uh, do you have any facility that produces mulch? No, we do not. Um, we actually rely on um, places like uh, the tree trimming companies mm -hmm. uh, and other sources to, to bring in that woody chipped up um, wood material for us to use in our composting process. Um, so, we, you know, we would love to have a facility that really is, is what you're describing as a yard waste facility. And um, we don't have any around here that's open to the public, unfortunately. Okay. Now, um, I think the city. Okay. So I've been a bad boy. Okay. So what I mean by that is uh, for years I have taken conventional garbage cans and I have them inner stacks so they only look like one big one. But uh, I will pull them out and fill them full of leaves and branches and, and clippings and trimmings and things like that. And I set them out on Thursday, my collection day, and they always end up empty. Someone's taking them. 
And now, I don't know if it would be you or the city crew that is doing refuse collection or what. And um, and then once in a while, they just realize they're taking them, and I see a larger fee. <laughs> so... so uh, just just to provide a little bit of clarity there, we, we, you know, as an organization, we do the recycling collection, but we also run trash trucks in the city of Athens. So that's us as well doing that service. So if you were to set those uh, the the leaves and yard clippings and things like that in your trash can, it's going to be collected as trash. Ah, okay. Well, I was hoping it had a better purpose, but uh, I get it. Um, because but, but you could get that collected at, at, from the city of Athens directly as yard waste but you have to make a specific call to them to get that set up and they would prefer we use the paper bags and the tags and stuff i guess correct okay now um well i'll try to get my act together um now there's been a big push uh, in some of the neighborhood um, uh, organizations to make sure people are conscious of sewers and, and not uh, having leaves or anything poured into, uh, dra- uh, you know, storm drain sewers. Um, and I, I take my blower and go out there and blow uh, leaves away from blowers, uh, away from those collection points. And um, in my effort to try to keep from infiltrating with that kind of material. That's a good thing, right? Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, those leaves would make a great um, a great project at, at, in your backyard if you have space to compost that and add it back to your garden or your yard. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, I, you know, a lot of times, you know, mulching up those leaves when you're mowing the grass is, is certainly encouraged because you're adding those nutrients, that organic matter, back into the soil. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're also concerned, I think, of some sort of pollution-type concern with um, the Hocking River because those storm drains drain straight down to the hocking you know yeah that's right so, and they just straight clog up the drains too as well sure in fact i remember one plugging up um what's that road that goes up real steep used to be next to athens flowers was that columbia madison madison yeah there was a plugged up drain down there and the whole street exploded that's a that story is 40 years old anyway but um it happens. Well, um, okay, so the the collection of the leaf bags, that's done by a different entity? Yeah, so that's done actually directly by the city of Athens, and they have specific days of the week that they, they collect that. And uh, I think you can find that information um, on, the, on the city webpage or just by giving them a call. Now, recently my wife started to, to tell me you can't put that in there. You can't put that in there. And they're talking about the blue containers. And um, so I've tried to find what I can and what I can't put in there. Our FINA organization, this is the Far East Neighborhood Association, they've, they've tried to give us good direction. But... Um, I, I now there's been a confusing thing saying you're supposed to put your regular trash in there too. Now that's isn't that untrue? That is not. Yeah, that is not true. I'm not sure where that came from. Okay. Um, and I, I guess this whole process is, to be fair, is confusing. You know, from the from the consumer standpoint. Um, but the reality is, as is, is things change over time, as we've seen. You know, we went from a source separated system for recycling to a a commingled or a mixed recycling system. Um, and, you know, the important thing to remember is to get something recycled, you have to take a material or product and it has to be able to made it into something else. So if you can't do that, it's not really recycling. So if we can't take that piece of that plastic water bottle and make it into a new water bottle or a new plastic baggie or whatever else it could be made into, then it's not really recycling. So we have to keep that in mind. Um, that those things change over time, and that what we collect and ultimately uh, ship off to be recycled is um, is affected by what the market wants. So, is if if if, if you can't make uh, a new aluminum can, which aluminum cans are, are, is a great example, they're really easily recyclable. 
you can recycle them over and over and over again. But it's something like a plastic um, Barbie toy. You know, that's not something that's easy or recyclable or that there's a market for. So if no one wants to buy it and, and they can't make it into something else, it's not really going to get recycled. The... Um, but glass of any kind, right? Whether it be a wine bottle with color or not with color or um, any any kind of glass, that works, right? Um, I would amend that statement, but to say any color of glass that's a food food or beverage container, so a pickle jar or a wine glass, yeah. um, th- those t- types of glass. You know, one of the contaminants we we do end up seeing that. Um, seems like it would be recyclable like window glass or um, plates that are often made out of ceramic materials. Those are not glass Here, I'm gonna that show, wouldn't be recyclable. I'm going to show my ignorance for a minute. When I was a kid growing up, um, kids actually went around and collected Coca-Cola or Pepsi bottles. And there was a, a nickel or something refund, two cents, What I don't know, whatever it was. And uh, you'd take a whole bike load to uh, the little grocery store, and they'd give you a buck and a half or whatever it was. Um, Is there still recycling at the store level? I I don't think so. In in general, as a state, we've gotten away from that system. Um, Other states still do it. You know, if you look on a on a on a can or a bottle, you know, there's there's a number of states listed on there and what the deposits are. Um, but as, as, as a state here in Ohio, we've gotten away from that system. So do you see, I don't know, 8-ounce Coca-Cola bottles in the, in the um, refuse, uh, I'm sorry, the recycling lines? Oh, absolutely. We, we still see those. I mean, that's the, that's the main method of recycling, um, you know, wine bottles and, and, and soda bottles and things like that, uh, pickle jars. You know, people still are recycling glass. Mm-hmm. Well, um, okay, let's, let's go to a new direction here. What are some services that recycling centers offer some places that you have yet to do here, and, and, and which ones do you consider particularly important? Um, one of the things that we, 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 we don't offer at a, at a large scale that we currently do offer that other places offer is uh, electronics recycling. Okay. Um, you know, I think that's an important one that has a, a huge environmental impact um, compared to a lot of other products and materials. Now, my friend Roger Bale, um, he's involved in that, right? Yeah, so uh, he, Roger Bale, he's the coordinator of the Solid Waste District, which is, uh, again, a Sorry for the confusion about the names, but, you know, the Athens Hawking Solid Waste District and more of the Athens Hawking Recycling Center. But uh, him as the coordinator for the Solid Waste District, he hosts um, events throughout the year. We have one, a couple coming up here in October, um, you know, that tries to collect some of those harder-to-recycle materials, like mm-hmm. uh, computers and things like that, books. Um, those are some of the things that are they're hard because they're, they're expensive to transport, they're hard to, to deal with in general, and that's... Uh, but some of those materials are important, and I and I, I hope that we can move the needle forward and, and, and start collecting more of those materials and keeping more of that out of the landfill. But um, okay, so um, you mentioned one item. What 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 are some other things that other recycling centers are attempting to do that you'd like to do and haven't been able to yet? Um. I think textiles would be one of them, and, and you know, by textiles I mean you know used old clothes, fabric, um, fabrics, exactly. Okay, used clothes—that's interesting. I have some blue jeans that ought to be in your place, not at the repair shop. You know, what yeah, I mean? well, those could be made into rags or <laughs> you know, whole host of other things. <laughs> yeah, except I I take them to Sharon and she sews them up for me. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, That's even better. Reuse. Reuse, indeed. And speaking of reuse, what about that? So we had a reuse store, right? And we have a restore. Um, And then 
they spun out of that uh, organization called Makerspace and some stuff like that. And now I understand that has either failed or is being redesigned or something. What do you hear of this? Um, we're actually a partner in that, you know, with, with you know, in, to, to some degree with that whole operation. You know, the idea was there was the there was the reuse industries um, that that closed doors in February, and so a group of partners, um, you know, several different nonprofits and other community members have gotten together to kind of reinvigorate that. Mm -hmm. um, and they, over the past weekend, they just had a sort of a soft opening, and they actually had a recycling collection day there. Um, you know, coupled with that opening, um, but I think that serves an important, um, an important use in, in our community. Before we recycle stuff, can we get it? Can someone else use it? You know, or can we can we fix it and get it used? Now, those sorts of operations try to tackle that. Um, there's there's an item, <coughs> uh, rubber tires, whether they're off of a garden tractor, or a vehicle, whatever. Is there a recycling process for those? Um, th there is, not around here. Okay. Um, you know, Roger Bale at the Salt Waste District, uh, you know, he works with the health department and the EPA to do some tire collection events throughout the year. Um, but, there are, you know, those are collected and sent elsewhere to be processed and recycled. Um, I'm not sure the end result of that, but we, we don't have any facilities nearby for that. So... As you guys go about collecting things from this, our communities, and by the way, let's talk about what communities you serve. Obviously, we're talking about Athens, but where else? Yeah, that's, that's a good question, too. So, we're, you know, obviously, Athens is, is the biggest uh, municipality within the, the Athens Hawking Solid Waste District, but we um, travel throughout and do collection in the Plains, Albany, Amesville, New Marshfield, Coolville, um, Rockbridge, Laurelville. Logan, um, Union Furnace, uh, Murray City, Carbon Hill, Gloucester, and Trimble. Quite a, a bit. Okay, now, uh, is this a, a situation where, like in Athens, on a given day you pick it up, or are these some taken to some central place for you to collect, or what? Um, it's, it's a little bit of both. So we have um, public drop-offs that we service via the, the Solid Waste District. That's their program, and we do the collections for that. So there are 10 in uh, Athens County and 11 in Hawking County that we go to several times a week. Um, a lot of those are like at a township garage or some other community building. Um, if you've seen those around the communities, um, most of those have. places I listed have those public drop-offs. Okay. And then in, in addition, we, we, we do curbside trash and recycling collection in a lot of those communities. Not all of them, but, but several. Um, well, you know, we go to Logan on Monday and, and, and have a route up there where we collect residential trash and recycling. So if you were giving people tips on how to perfectly um, interact with your efforts, uh, lay down the law. Like, uh, well, I would say stick to what's on the list. Okay. And I could point to where that list, where that's available at, and uh, you know, or or just give us a call, and we'll, we'll discuss what's on the list and what you can and can't do. So I have in front of me um, a community flyer from January 2020. So what's that? Nine months ago. Uh, it says beverage cans. Please rinse. No need to crush. Magazines and catalogs. Glossy paper. Glossy junk mail. All of that's fine. Tin, yeah. steel, cans, and aluminum scrap. Pet food cans, fruit and vegetable cans, etc. Aluminum foil, pie pans, and other small scrap. Material must be free of food and labels do not or don't need to be removed. No need to crush. Yada, yada, yada. Next item, paper and cardboard. Cereal boxes, cracker boxes, pop and beer cartons, paper towel rolls, paper egg cartons, uh, etc. Brown corrugated paper grocery sacks, brown and manila envelopes. Uh, now it goes on to say remove plastic inserts and flatten. No coated cardboard, such as ice cream and milk cartons or, both, or, or broth cartons. 
I'm trying to picture one of those. I think I put a a ice cream recycling thing in my recycling can last night. Why is that's that? definitely a confusing one. Okay. Well, going on. Mixed paper, that is to say uh, non-glossy, letterhead-like, um, like the paper I'm reading off of. Copy paper, colored paper, non-glossy, junk mail, uh, envelopes, newspapers. And they say inserts can be included. Why wouldn't they be? Um, some of those are glossy and some are not, but generally they're um, just—they uh, they are glossy, but not in the sense of like a magazine. So everything you're reading off that list is is is, is perfectly correct. Okay, number one through number seven, plastics. Now, folks, if you look hard enough, some of them are displayed easily to see, but some aren't. There's sort of a triangle, right? And within the middle of the triangle pressed into the plastic is a number so they're saying one through seven numbered plastics are all fine so the plastic bottles such as milk jugs pop bottles shampoo and detergent bottles containers used for salad cottage cheese yogurt berries it says leave caps on bottles are we talking about the plastic caps or yeah, yeah, the plastic caps like you get on a soda bottle or a pop bottle. Okay. Um, the, 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 often a lot of the manufacturers are moving so that the, the lid is the same type of plastic as the bottle. I see. That's why we, we want you to keep them on there. But even if it's not, um, you know, it, it's a matter of logistics and process for us. You know, if you squeeze a little bit of air out of the bottle and put the cap back on there and put it in the recycling bin, that's going to ensure that that cap gets recovered because of its small size through our sorting process, and then it will go on and, and be made into something else. Well, see, so that's I've, why we ask you to... I've been putting those back on, too, after the bottle's empty. Um, and my wife said, don't do that, because if they go to crush it, it's, you know, it's going to pop, right? But That's uh, correct. That's why the best method would be to squeeze the air out of it, you know, at least a good, a good portion of it. Okay. Uh, no styrofoam, all caps. And we've sort of covered that already. Glass, rinse, colors can be mixed, labels need not be removed. Now it goes on. Do not recycle the following. Plastic bags. So like when I go to the grocery store and they say plastic or paper, your answer would be? Paper. Yeah. And mine has been plastic for years, so I'm doing the wrong thing. Well, there's a there's a better alternative to that is take your own bag. Yeah, a reusable one. I get it, and I've seen some of that. So I'll work on that modification in my habits. Uh, plastic wrap, food baggies, scrap metal, yard waste. Plastic toys, compostable plastics, compact discs, D- DVDs, mirrors, light bulbs, batteries, hangers, wire. Oh, so clothes hangers you can't put in there. Um, that's a, that's one of those things that's a, what we call a tangler. It tangles around all of our equipment, clogs it up, and often you know damages our equipment. I get it. Wire, chains, styrofoam, window glass, hmm. nails, clothing. You see, now I have put some old nails in there. So that's why we're talking about this, to help you, help you out. And, and thinking, you know, it's metallic. Um, but I guess it, just because there's sheer size, they can mess things up in your machinery, huh? Yeah, or, you know, in the, in, the, in the least, is it just doesn't get recovered. It ends up going into the landfill just because of its small size. Now, we mentioned you'd like to add fabrics eventually, but presently you say no clothing. Correct. Electronics, cookware, ceramics, paint, and so on. Is that a pretty accurate list, or is there a more accurate, newer list? Uh, no, that's, that's, I mean, obviously it's not a comprehensive list. There's lots of stuff that, that don't, doesn't go in there that people put in there, but that's a good, um, a good 
list of what not to put in there. What um, <clears throat> you've, I'm sure, made it to some other recycling centers to just compare what your operation looks like compared to others. Uh, how does it compare? Um, it's pretty similar. Before we um, had this facility designed and, and, and built the new facility where we're at on, in, the, in the industrial park, we went to other facilities across Ohio uh, to look at this to see what they do, you know, how they've evolved over time, um, what materials they take. Um, so one of the big distinctions is there's, there's material recovery facilities, or MRFs as we, we call them, mm-hmm. um, that are single stream and some are dual stream. And so there's a there's variability depending on the community and what the markets are, and, and that dual stream as a, a lot of recycling centers will take glass, but they take it separately, or they'll take cans and bottles separately from all the fiber material. So there's there's lots of different ways to design a recycling facility, and it's really dependent on what the needs of the community are, and ultimately what uh, the downstream markets of those materials are. Um. This is a personal question. Um, <clears throat> I have so many trees and so many uh, clippings and things like that as I shape them and things. Um, probably during the course of a growing season, I might have 20 regular 55-gallon, or maybe they're 30-gallon trash cans filled up, but they're purely organic right yes now if if that's me and there's other people could there not be some sort of program established to to allow for clippings of that sort of nature to be picked up in a special run and that is then all chewed up and spread out and dried up and turned into some useful product yeah, I mean, like I mentioned before, you know, that, that program does ex- exist in uh, in some form in the city of Athens and in other communities that do, you know, leaf and yard waste collection. Um, you know, I said, but it, but it, doesn't it requires an extra step. Okay, and it's not happening at your plant. It's happening somewhere else, eh? That's Yeah, that's correct. Probably down by the West State Fields, I'm guessing. Okay, um, now what about pricing? Um, you folks provide a service, but I guess it's city council and the city of Athens that sets the rates. And um, I guess we used to have, let's see, in, in the old days, before before January 1st of this year, let's put it that way, it was $10 for one trash can and the recycling container. That sounds about right. And then if you had two trash cans in the recycling container, it was 16 Now they've raised it to 14 and a half for one and 21 for two. Now, actually, council had, was thinking a little higher than that, but they, they settled for a little less. But nevertheless, the rates went up. Um, I, I don't have any knowledge of any other cities anymore. Is is that reasonable? Um, it, it is, I think. You know, we, we looked at many other communities just as a comparison. You know, some communities pay, some communities pay more or some pay about the same or a little bit less. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the newer prices are more in line with what exists elsewhere. And, um, okay. Well, what have I failed to ask that you think I should bring out? Um, you raised a lot of good questions. Um, you know, I think, you know, in closing, I would just say, you know, if, if you have any questions about any of this, we want to help the community understand what to do and what not to do to reach out. You know, you can reach us a multitude of ways, you know, on Facebook, on our website, you know, give us a call, uh, write us a letter if you want to, um, to ask those questions, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll point you to where the information is if we can't, if we don't have it on hand. Um, you know, we've got a good staff here that's very knowledgeable to be able to help you out and determine what is recyclable and what isn't recyclable. Um, 
I have a phone number, of course, but would you prefer people use uh, social media? Uh, we, we make it, we, we try to make all uh, lines of communication open, so it, it, that we don't have a preference. Give us a call, okay. get on the social media, get on our website. That's all uh, up to the individual consumer. Folks, if you've been making notes, I'll give you the phone number here in a minute. But uh, again, we're talking to Bruce Underwood, who is the director of our Athens Hawking Recycling Center. So their phone number there, now my phone's going off on my belt here. Let me make it get silent or something. Okay, it's quiet. So the, re, the phone number for the recycling center is 740, of course, 594-5312. That's 594-5312. Now the Facebook site, what's it entitled? Um, if you just search for Athens Hawking Recycling, it should come up. Okay. And um, any other thing we should know about in the way of, of communicating? Um, our website, um, AthensHawkingRecycle.org. Okay, so you've got a website as well. Yes. Okay. Um, fair enough. What, um, is this become a passion for you? I think so. I, I, I really see the progress we've made um, in, our, in our communities um, over the past five or six years. Um, diversion rate-wise, you know, it's, you know, we're measured by the, at the district level, you know, both Athens and Hawking County together. And collectively, we're, we're doing a much better job. Um, you know, there's, there's benefits and disadvantages to, to the way we do it now, the single-stream system. Uh, but the biggest benefit to me is we're recovering more materials, we're recycling more materials, and, and that's the goal. With the recent addition of the composting, um, has that uh, seen any worthwhile jump? Absolutely. We've already doubled um, our incoming food waste from residential in the city of Athens. Really? Um, and the program's just gotten started. I have two buckets at my house. I'm not sure why. Um, neither one has been used. So you're saying get in the habit and at least use one of them and turn that other one back in, right? Absolutely. Okay. Listen, Bruce, it's been great talking to you. Uh, folks, I would tell you one more thing. I have toured the plant, albeit a few years ago, so I'm sure there's changes to it and additions and more interesting things. But it was pretty interesting then. Uh, if you have a Cub Scout group, if you've got a, a adult group, whatever it might be, uh, make arrangements to tour it. You don't mind my saying that, right? No, I, I, I applaud that. I appreciate the opportunity you could put that out there. Yeah, reach out to us. Uh, we'll schedule it in as much as we possibly can. Aside from the whole COVID thing, that's, that's one of my favorite things to do is to get people out to see the facility and see what's going on. Bruce, thank you, and have a good day. Appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity. Sir, we'll see you later. Thank you. All right. Well, Scott, that was a good one. And yeah, uh, <clears throat> very worthwhile. Now, yeah. tomorrow we got... The Burrow family. Imagine that. In our 70th year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. News on the Hour, sponsored by Rocket Mortgage. I'm Peter King in Orlando. Some have called it a food fight. Others use phrases we can't say here after this at the first Trump-Biden debate. The, the question is, is the radical question. left, will you who shut up, on, man? Listen, who is on your list, Joe? White House correspondent Paula Reed. The Trump campaign insists that last night the president succeeded in his mission, which they believe was to lay out his America First agenda and try to trip up his rival. But some of his allies say that his aggressive behavior at times may have undercut his appeal. We see some of that reflected in our polling this morning, which shows most viewers were just annoyed by this debate and found the overall tone to be negative. I'm Elaine Cobb in Paris. A chaotic and brutal clash is how French newspaper Le Monde summed up the debate. Spanish daily El País agreed, saying it was shocking for the most powerful country in the world. Australian analyst Stan Grant said it was a barometer of the U.S. This is a country that is so fundamentally polarized, broken in so many ways, a country that is shouting over each other. The elections officials around this country are planning ahead to make sure mail-in voting isn't a problem. Here's CBS's Cammie McCormick. In Memphis.
Memphis election officials plan to use the FedEx Forum Sports Arena to count absentee ballots. Counties in Pennsylvania are asking lawmakers and the governor to allow them to process mail-in ballots before Election Day. There could be as many as three million envelopes in the battleground state. The Commerce Department says the economy plunged more than 31 percent this past spring due to the pandemic. A slight change from earlier estimates. PNC economist Gus Fauché. It was a revision, so the economy wasn't quite as bad in the second quarter as we th initially thought, but it's still uh, the worst quarter on record. The report says economists do expect a rebound to just about zero out those losses in the quarter just finished. Right now the Dow is up nearly 300 points in early trading. There are large-scale quarantines involving two schools in South Mississippi. Because of the pandemic, CBS's Jim Crisula. All students, teachers, and staff at Long Beach, Mississippi Middle School will be quarantined for two weeks after 35% of students either tested positive or were exposed to COVID.